RadioInfluence.com. Welcome in to a new episode of the MA Report Podcast with Dale Galvan. I am Jason Floyd. It is Wednesday evening, August the 17th, 2022. And boy, is there a ton of things going on in the world of MMA. Daniel, I, I know we talk about this on the show a lot of times, but this past Saturday was a Saturday where I was unable to watch the UFC event live because NFL preseason action started. So I had a Buccaneer broadcast, so I couldn't watch the UFC live. So Monday night, I go back, I'm watching the UFC event, and I'm like, I'm just thinking, ESPN Plus, thank God, man. This is they make this so goddamn easy, Daniel. Like literally, I go on to on my Apple TV, pop up that ESPN app, you know, get over to the UFC, and every individual fight is there. I can just go boom, 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 boom. I know how long they're gonna take. I mean, I knew the results anyway, so it didn't really matter. But I I was like, as a viewer, this is such a great experience taking in the UFC after the fact. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect. It really is. It, it makes me wish they did it for the PFL and for the Dana White's Contender Series. And I wish UFC Fight Pass did it for the individual events they run on the Fight Pass. It makes me so spoiled because when you're watching the playback, it's just it sucks like skimming through a broadcast to get to the thing. The only downside, Jason, the only downside of – ESPN Plus selecting your fights for you is simple. The entrances are not there, which by and large I don't need. But when Patty Pimblett is fighting, I do need that entrance. So that's the only downside. But it is absolutely a uh, uh, splendid. It, it's great, man. There was so much freaking MMA to watch this past weekend, bro. Like I barely got done skimming through the the contender series, which was easy to do because there were a lot of finishes, five contracts awarded. But between the PFL card, the Bellator card, and just an awesome San Diego card, it was uh, dude. There was a lot of MMA in my diet. To me, going back and watching the UFC event. The funniest thing for me watching the fight, you know, was the O'Day Osborne-Tyson-Nam fight, the commentary of Daniel Cormier and Michael Bisping. So, obviously, this fight ends in the first round. Tyson-Nam, beautiful knockout. And so, about, I don't know, 45, 60 seconds before the knockout, Cormier and Bisping basically start arguing on who's winning the fight. Cormier <laughs> is thinking O'Day Osborne. And then, you know, and then Bisbing is like, no, nah, Tyson Nam win this fight. He's laying the bigger punches. And then as Tyson Nam drops Oday Osborne, you hear Bisbing go, who's winning now? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, they are. It's just I, like, that's one of those modes in broadcasting. Like, I'm sitting on my couch, Daniel, and I just start laughing. Yes, yes. Bisping and uh, the, the chemistry between Bisping and Cormier is much different than uh, Bisping and others. Like, I think Michael Bisping is quite simply the best broadcaster in this sport. And he works well with everybody, bro. With Daniel Cormier, it definitely feels like a brotherly connection. I mean, there there is that. Often Michael Bisping subtly or not so suddenly just calls Daniel Cormier fat at times. It's uh, it, it, it's an enjoyable thing, but yeah, that was great. I, I believe there was one part of the broadcast where Bisping literally missed a knockout because he hadn't seen it. I don't remember which fight it was. What, but uh, what, Wasn't it the Josh Quinlan knockout? 
that must have been it, which was crazy. What uh, the craziest part of the knockout over Jason Witt is um, how Jason Witt landed, dude. I mean, he just ate the canvas. It was, uh, you know, Josh Quinlan is a very interesting guy, like super soft spoken, really comes across like a karate master. that's just ready to knock you out in a single sniper strike. As I'm watching the fights, I've got my laptop in front of me and I'm putting down notes on various things. My note in that fight was, holy hell, what a knockout by Josh Quinlan and great control for no additional strikes because Jason Witt was out before he even hit the mat. I I mean, just, I mean, devastating. And obviously the, the talking point leading into this fight was, what had happened with Josh Quinlan, you know, the week prior. And, of course, you know, this was going to be his first fight coming off suspension from his positive drug test result following the Contender Series. And then there was the issue that Nevada had, you know, with a drug test. USADA had no issues with the drug test, so it was all of that. Another note that I have down here, Angela Hill entered this fight card 0-8 as a UFC betting underdog. She goes out there and wins. Daniel, last week on the show, if you would said, Jason... Let's bet $100 that Angela Hill will have double the amount of takedown attempts as Lupi Godinez. I've been like, all right, bro, let's go. Let us go. I would have never expected that one. Um, and how, about the other, how about the flip side? What the hell is Gerald Mearshart's record as an underdog? Because it's got to be positive. I mean, geez, he was another underdog, and no one was still picking him. What do we have, like six underdogs ultimately come in and win? Yeah, it, it was a lot because Nate Landwehr is a pretty big underdog against David Onama, I'm pretty sure. And then uh, I don't know what the odds were on Nunez Cabilo off the top of my head. Nunez was the underdog in that one. Yeah, and uh, but with Mearshart, it's like this dude is it's when he's an underdog, you should just pick him to win his fight because I mean he's got that dog in him where skills be damned, he will not stop. Yeah, it looked great. He he had trained down at Killcliffe FC leading in this one. For those who are not aware, that's the gym formerly known as Sanford MMA, formerly known as the Black Zillions, formerly known as about 10 other names at this point. <laughs> but, I mean, he looked good and go out there and get the submission win. That's uh, Jared Mercer is just one of those guys that, you know, I, I think we constantly just count him out. And then he just goes out there and he gets submission wins there. You know, you mentioned about Nate Lane where, I saw some people, you know, when I was, uh, you know, after after I got done working on Saturday night, got home, you know, you know, having a couple of uh, Stellas, you know, you know, that's you know, kind of how I roll. And, uh, you know, I saw people calling it fight of the year. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. After watching this, Daniel, fun fight. That ain't Yuri Glover, bro. Yeah. Yuri Glover was one of the greatest fights I've seen in my life. Like, this fight was awesome, but I do think that the uh, – and the crowd, the crowd made this fight. And the thing was – here's the problem. I didn't listen to this fight uh, with the sound on uh, for most of it because I was eating at a wing stop and I forgot my AirPods. So I didn't hear the crowd, but I saw the crowd reacting and I was like, crap, I'm going to need to pause this fight, get in my car and watch the end of this fight. And – Oh, the San Diego crowd loved it, and it was uh, it was a hell of a fight. It was a phenomenal back and forth story with Onama looking good early on. But what do people say from Onama's camp about him? He fights up and down to his competition, and that's exactly what happened here. Landwehr broke him, but dude, it was a nice little combo of fights between this one and I feel so bad for the women before them. Yasmin Urigi and and, and Yasmin Lucindo, I believe, twenty years old. Dude, they had a fight of the night contender, 
and then they got they just had the you know a hell of a fight after them. That was a badass back to back fights. I mean, all four of those people made names for themselves in that San Diego card. My biggest takeaway from the Onama fight goes from at the end of the second round, and kudos to the UFC production staff for for showing where James Krause must have asked Onama three times if he still wanted to fight. He's like, do you still want to fight? And he goes, David, look at me. David, look at me. And, you know, and it's one of those things where I look at it and say, this is why I believe James Krause is such a great head coach. And, you know, I mean, look, both those guys at third round, there was not much gas left in the gas tank. By the, yeah. by the way, you know, I think people can relate to this. So I go get gas the other morning. This woman, literally, it's a Wawa. It is packed, bro. She's just sitting in her car, not pumping gas. And people are trying to pump gas. I'm like, what are you doing here? Dude, that is bad. But what's worse is the people who uh, park their car after they pumped gas and then go inside the gas station. No, 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 like, are you talking about like they go, they go park no, their car in no. a parking spot or they leave it parked where they just got gas at? Even both, both are bad. All right. If, no, if no, gas, no, oh, if no, 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 bro, no, 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 look, look, okay. I, I have done this. Okay. Look, if I pump gas and then like say, say I'm out of Wawa and say I want to go get some food. I think I'm being, I'm being a good customer, a good, you know, citizen, by saying I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to move my car so someone else can come pump gas. Yes, that's, that's exactly what you should do. Oh, well, well, I, I thought well, you were you were saying something else. No, no. What I'm saying is if you don't do that, you're an asshole. If the gas station is packed, if, the, if, if there's no one there, who cares, right? But if the gas station is packed and you're done at the pump, ugh, I don't know. ugh, that's you, awful. You want to yeah. talk about being an asshole? Your, your boy <laughs> was maybe a little bit of an asshole today. What'd you do? So, you know, it's it's election season. Uh-huh. So uh, there is a someone lo- running for Congress here locally, and they, uh, for whatever reason, I'm on their text campaign list. And uh, I they sent me one like two weeks ago, and I basically said, you know, hey, why should I vote for you if you send me unsolicited texts? <laughs> and then today, they sent me a picture, and the caption says, content, content, content. It's clearly someone fumbled at the uh, the automated text machine, <laughs> and uh, I may have gone to their Facebook page uh-huh. and said, "Can I know what your uh, thought process is on uh, <laughs> un- unsolicited text messages?" Uh, you, or what? Yeah, can you can you There's talk to no, me? About there it? has been no response yet. There's, I, I'm guessing that comment either gets deleted or there's just no response. I really wonder how effective this text message system is for politicians because uh, I get it all the time. Bro, and it's it just, just like, it pisses me the F off. I know. It like makes me not want to vote for you. Like, oh, my- oh, dude, totally. Totally. Like, I'm to that point. Like, and look, God, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell myself, I rarely vote in non presidential elections. Yeah. I think uh, I think a lot of our listeners probably can relate to this, but like every time okay, I get, I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, a lot of people don't. All right, there's literal statistical proof. Yeah. Okay. I'm part of the statistic. <laughs> if there are ten people out of ten people listening, uh, a whole hell of a lot of them don't vote, and and uh, 
in those types of elections. And have I voted in every single election since I've got of age? No, I haven't, but I try my best to, like but this, uh, I definitely like, got primaries. This is my thing. I, 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 I just, I get so aggravated with these, you know, these political text messages or the other thing is like, do people actually click links to text messages they get that they don't know who it's coming from? Yeah. Old people, old people are the only ones that do. Uh, that is, uh, that is how they get scammed. That is why we get so many because unfortunately the elderly in our society, uh, they get, I, I do wonder once we get up there in age, if we will fall prey, uh, fall prey to these, uh, these scams. But, uh, yeah, old people are, are the ones that, that happens to write, like, you know. It's like, so, we tried to deliver your Amazon package. Amazon, don't text you, bro. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They already, yeah. Amazon doesn't need to text you. They just need to send you a little brain wavelength and let you know. Yeah, there's nothing like an Amazon package delivery. I got two today. So I actually got Michael Bisping's book today. So I shall read that and uh, you know, maybe provide feedback if I ever actually do read it, which... I don't know. I've read a full book in 15 years. I've bought in a whole crap book. I don't know the last time I read a full book. You don't seem like a book guy. All right? I'm, I'm not, bro. I'm not like, there's been some books like, God, I'm trying to think like maybe the last book that I really tried to read. Um, I'm just, I'm not a book guy. My I wife, heard. my wife, she can read, she can, I mean, literally she's reading Harry Potter for probably the 50th time. Yeah. I, I just, you know, now it's just, that's just not, it's not my style. Yeah, man. You're, 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 you're visual and audio medium type of dude. Oh, right? oh, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this Bisbing podcast, him and Anthony Smith, you talk about, you talk about that chemistry between Bisbing and Cormier. Uh, Bisbing and Smith have great chemistry together. I never, I haven't listened to their podcasts or the videos they do. So I'll, I'll have to give that a watch. But I mean, there's, there's so much great MA content out there. But, uh, Look, you know, somebody that will probably uh, have a lot of free time on his hands to do broadcast work, probably Dominic Cruz after, you know, the head kick knockout. Look, Dom was looking good. I mean, he got dropped in the first round. We'll talk. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Dominic Cruz has now been dropped seven times in his last five fights, three times against Vera, one time against Munoz, one time against Cejudo, two times against Cody Garbrandt. Like, that to me is a crazy stat when it comes to him. But, like, overall, like, I thought Dom was looking pretty good prior to, you know, taking that head kick. And kudos to Eric Nixick, who called it before it happened. Yeah, dude, it was uh, it, something about these corners, man. I mean, they they uh, they're, 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 they can see the future. And, uh, I mean, dude, oh, that was brutal. I mean, Marlon Vera is single-handedly ruining the uh, the faces of MMA legends between Dominic Cruz and Frankie Edgar. I mean, Marlon Vera is a bad, bad man. And, you know, for Dominic Cruz, I think what really worked well for him is it felt like early on, you know, he had much higher output than Marlon Vera, and his movement was looking good. And he still had good speed, Yeah, I felt like. You know, we kind of talk about how he's aging out and, and whatnot, but physically, speed is still there. But, man, Marlon Vera, dude, like, this guy, now that he's in this position where he's main eventing shows, this is the perfect situation for him because over five rounds – there are very few fighters that I think are going to be able to stand with this dude and not end up having a flashlight in their eye 
as they get out from the campus. I mean, Marlon Vera has just some of the best power at 135. And for Dominic Cruz on the flip side, moving forward, I think the big concern is whenever he takes on guys with power, it's just that, you know, he's a little chinny. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Dominic Cruz is if you look at where he is at in his career with his age, like, does he still think he can make a run at the title? And if he believes that that's, you know, that that path is, is very long, does it? I mean, I don't think Dominic Cruz is going to hang him up. But I just, I look at him and say, can Dominic Cruz in 2022 defeat the top five guys in this division? I don't, I mean, look, I, th- I think for Dominic Cruz, what's next is pretty simple. It's uh, if he, if he loses, he fights Jose Aldo, but uh, that that would be it. I think for Dominic Cruz, you're looking at super fights. You're looking at the legends division that we see some of these guys get into. Because to answer your question, I, I I don't think that's the case. But I mean, for Dominic Cruz, like he can find himself in some pretty big fights. Literally, his next two fights, if he plays his cards right, could be Jose Aldo and then Sean O'Malley, right? And, and that O'Malley fight could be a big one. Or Frankie Edgar, because you remember Edgar called for uh, that matchup a couple weeks ago. Oh, Frankie, yeah. I, okay, that'd be a good one. That's going to be at MSG, right? That's when, that's, what, that's when Edgar would like to have his retirement fight. And he mentioned uh, Edgar, he mentioned Cruz as an opponent, which now that Cruz has lost his fight, that makes sense. I mean, if Cruz would have won on Saturday night, then the fight would make zero sense for, for well, Dominic dude, Cruz. Dude, this Bantamweight division is backlogged. Like, bro, like, you have the Aljo Fibers, Dillashaw. And Jan versus O'Malley and Aldo versus Dallas Vili, both of those fights are number one contenders fights. Meanwhile, Marlon Vera has gone on this absurd run. I mean, he's deserving of a title opportunity because of how long, how little title defenses we've had at 135. This weight class is super backlogged. We have a lot of deserving challengers that just haven't gotten shots at the title. Here's the question mark. Does the UFC just make Vera the backup plan if maybe Dillashaw can't make it to uh, 280? Hmm. I, I think you put the winner of Aldo and Mirab over over Vera uh, for sure. I get that. I get that. We'll, but, we'll, but, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that matchup a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Got to talk about a little bit about Bellator last week. Ochi Yamauchi, man. What? I mean, I did not see that one coming. Uh, the fact of he's whole, he's got his hands down just begging Neiman Gracie to hit him. Goes out and knocks Neiman Gracie out, man. Did not see that one coming. Uh, in that one, man, that was, you know, when we talk about results, we just did not see coming. I didn't see that, and especially playing out the way it played out. Because, like, when you looked at the, the physiques on fight night, and if I said who do you think was a forty five at one point, and who was, and who has been the seventy for a long time, I don't know if people would have said Gochi was a forty five er. Yeah, I don't think um, athletic commissions would say it either. But uh, yeah, it's crazy to see the evolution. I mean, he's kind of like, uh, God, it, it, it's wild, bro. It's wild that he cut to one forty five. It makes sense that he missed weight so many times. Hell, he even missed weight at one fifty five <laughs> in his career. But um, the thing about Yamuchi is he's always possessed a great deal of talent, Jason, and it's starting to come to light. He kind of reminds me of like a similar career path in Bellator that uh, Charles Oliveira has had in the UFC. So I think the uh, the championship is something that's definitely in his future. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. 
I mean, he, he certainly he's right there for a title shot. That's uh, an interesting division, bro. In terms of like, there's a lot of really good guys there. I think Yamushi is the type of fighter to make boring fights interesting. So that's good because they need that with Logan Storley holding, you know, being a part of that picture. Obviously, Amosov is, is I believe, on the way back. Uh, but but yeah, Goichi to me is, you know, he, he's really exciting. I mean, think about the, uh, you know, the idea of someone like Yamuchi taking on Michael Page. Like that fight is awesome to me. But, uh, you know, looking at that Belter card, I think the other – Two takeaways I have is obviously it's a shame what happened to heavyweight matchup with Steve Mowry getting an eye poke. But, uh, you know, Austin Vanderfor is in a big-time slide losing to Mr. Mullet, Aaron Jeffrey, and Alima Lee McFarland. It looks like she kind of uh, was running on the E in her gas tank in terms of maybe an MMA career. And it appears as though this fight with Bruna Ellen has kind of given her a new life. Yeah, she had a you know really interesting quote after I talked about it on Sunday's podcast of you know just kind of talking about uh, you know how you know what she she said something on the lines of you know I don't do drugs but I kind of feel like this is what drugs would feel like <laughs> yeah but of course I mean she missed weight by three pounds kind of you know and and she talked about that a little bit there but uh, you know Josh Hill goes out and gets upset you know over at the PFL Rory McDonald loses retires he did an interview today with Ariel Hawani where basically he said uh, you know the time is calling to move on to the next phase of my life and uh, but you know what Daniel I don't care what Rory McDonald said I don't believe that R word in MMA I know right I know it's uh it's something that's hard to believe i will say rory does seem like someone who would totally follow through with it holy crap he's 33 years old exactly why are you believing that r word why are you believing this oh dude because i remember him fighting for like a ufc championship 10 years ago all right right. here is the true false yeah rory mcdonald is announced that he is signed with bkfc in the next six months How do you not say true? How do you not say true? Because you know BKFC will throw a crap ton of money out there if he's been released from his PFL contract. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, yeah, I think you think that he's 33. Like, that is not something I knew until I just looked it up. That, I mean, look, his run in MMA has been super bad lately. Like, holy crap. Like, it is. And the PFL curse. Oof. We'll see what happens with the, the new signing that we'll talk about later. Dude, but. Look, at, look at all these known fighters. That have Pettis. gone from either the UFC to, to the PFL or Bellator to PFL. Yeah, and just the lack of success that they've had. Yeah, we should do like a Mount We should do a, like a draft of uh, see who can assemble the biggest disappointment team, right? Like there are so many different names. I mean, oof, you could go back to the very beginning of Bellator. Roger Huerta, you know, uh, with, with names maybe you anticipate would have bigger careers. But for Rory, look, on, on the flip side, shout out to Delano Taylor. That's an exciting ultimate. I think if you're PFL brass, you're probably rooting for Delano Taylor to beat Sadabusi in, in, in the finals. Delano just is a more exciting fighter. Um, but uh, and in the heavyweights, I think Anti-Delicia has got to be the uh, the favorite to, to beat Matthias Sheffield. A real dominant win over uh, Ferreira. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, if we're going to pretend like Rory's retired, uh, what can you say? One of the top ten welterweights of all time. Uh, the guy who is kind of the heir apparent to uh, to 
to uh, to GSP in terms of being that Canadian MMA yeah. star. Never really lived up to GSP, but who could? But he was still just an incredibly skilled and talented fighter. Um, I mean, I, I think the career highlight has to be the fight with Robbie Lawler, oh, yeah. the second one. Outside of that one, Jason, what do you think of anything of Ray McDonald? God, the Rob the Robbie fight is a, the thing that I think of. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, the other thing I think of honestly is uh, his win over uh, BJ Penn. To me, was a pretty big one in his career, and he has got a big win over uh, Nate Diaz. You know, who who? Let's see how many how many guys do we have that won the Bellator and UFC World Toy Championship? None, nobody. So he's the only one to do that. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's a good accomplishment. Well, I mean, you just think of fighters who who've won. I, you know, obviously Chris Cyborg has won titles in the UFC and Bellator. Yeah, Rampage never won a title in Bellator. Did Eddie Alvarez have the interim championship in the UFC? No, he was he was the unified champion. Remember, oh, he, he, was, he beat yeah. Um, RDA. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Eddie Alvarez is, is one. You know, will Patricio Pitbull be one? Who knows? Will Michael yeah. Chandler ever win the UFC lightweight title? I say no, but yeah, that's a tough that's a tough task for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there may be another one, but really, I don't think so. There's not that many yeah. uh, that did such a thing. By, by the way, uh, speaking of the PFL and, and free agent signing, it was announced uh, on Monday's uh, episode of the MMA Hour. Shane Burgos announced that he is signing, has signed with the PFL. And uh, Dana White had a very interesting comment about Shane Burgos uh, on uh, last night following Dana White's Contender Series and where he talks about the fact of mistakes were made on their end. Recently, in one of the other interviews, uh, it might have been today or yesterday, you talked about some of the mistakes that the UFC made with Shane Burgos and how he was able, he ended up leaving his contract. He wanted to try the free agency. What sort of mistakes did you feel were made that, that maybe that allowed him to slip away? Well, he's not here. That was the mistake, you know. I like the kid. Yeah. Listen, do, do I think Shane Burgos was going to move on and be a world champion here and all this? No, but he's fun. He's fun. I like I like guys that come out and they bring it every single time they fight and guys who um, want to perform, guys who want to win. Who, who has it more than that kid does, you know? Um, so I'm happy for him. You know, I'm happy for him and, and good for the PFL too. He, he, he's a great kid and uh, – not just an exciting, fun fighter, but he's a great person. So, um, yeah, good for everybody involved in that. Yeah, we don't make, we're not perfect, but we don't, we don't fuck up often. We don't fuck up often, but we fucked that one up. Makes makes you kind of wonder what truly happened there. Is it something where maybe the matchmaker decided they didn't want to match it? The PFL uh, sent out a press release uh, on Tuesday afternoon. And uh, it says professional fighter league signs top ranked featherweight Hurricane Shane Burgos to a to global season roster. Goes on to say this, and this is what caught my eye about it: major MMA star agrees to multi year deal with the professional fighters league. Top ranked fighter Burgos joins PFL, riding two fight winning streak, twenty twenty two playoffs, da, 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 which made me go major MMA star. Like I'm not trying to crap on Shane Burgos here. But I'm like, okay, PFL, I understand, you know, you, you gotta, you know, tout this signing, which it's a very it's a quality signing, no question about it. Major MMA star, like when I think major MMA stars, Connor McGregor, Nate Diaz, 
Kayla Harrison, Hamzat Shemaev. Essentially, a major MMA star is someone who's not a regular fan knows. And uh, yeah. Shane doesn't pass the test, but he's a hell of a signing. He, he certainly is. It, it's great for the health of the sport. It it goes hand in hand with the fighter pay discussion. This is a, he, he went on an aerial show. He said he anticipates he'll be a multimillionaire within a year of his contract. That's crazy when um, if you're a featherweight in the UFC in the top 15, you're like, damn. You know, it shows you there is money out there, not for all the fighters, but certainly some that fit that quota for the PFL. They got heavy, uh, heavy pocketbooks. And that's exciting if you're a fighter. Um, With Shane Burgos, you know, something that stuck out to me about him is, look, I do anticipate he's going to come into the PFL and I do believe he will win, whether it's a featherweight or lightweight tournament. But, uh, you know, his most impressive one of the UFC is probably uh, Mac one Amir Khani. So it was like, this is a guy who was in the UFC for like five plus years. And he, to me, was about a 13th or 14th best fighter in the weight class. So that's where he was. But what separates him from Joe Schmo, what separates him from someone like, you know, let's say, let me look at this division. Let's say if Bryce Mitchell became available, what makes Burgos better than Mitchell in terms of attractiveness is the fight quality. And I think that's why Dana White is admitting that it was a mistake that they didn't retain him is because he is the stereotypical Dana White fighter that he loves to have, that he's wanted to have. And and he influences you look at the contender series, that high action guy. He won four or five of the nights Um, in terms of what went wrong. You know, he went Burgos went the Emmy hour in person and he said that, you know, uh, crap. I don't know if it was Mick Maynard or Hunter or Sean Shelby. I don't know who he was talking to, but they essentially told him to go get an offer and come back. And he got an offer and he came back, but they couldn't match it. So that was the that was the problem. The problem was maybe they weren't as aggressive, but for Shane Burgos, he'd already been through the courting process and it seemed like he was already dead set on making sure he got the best possible offer from the PFL. So yeah, you know, kudos to him. I think he's going to have a great run. It sounds like he's going to want to fight uh, once this year. I don't know if it's going to be uh, on uh, the, the finale or if they're trying to do a pay-per-view. Or maybe the finale will be on pay-per-view. But uh, it appears he'll, he'll be fighting there. Look, it's this is what fighters have to do. They have to do what Shane Burgos did. And Shane Burgos used the leverage that he had, and that is go out there, get an organization, not name the UFC, to put out a massive offer and then see whether or not the UFC will match that offer. I mean, this is, you know, look, go get that bag, bro. Go get that bag, you know. And the one thing is, and Shane talked very good about the UFC, so, you know, he's not talking bad about the UFC to where, you know, whenever his PFL contract comes to an end, Maybe he ends up back in, back in the UFC, but you know, look, it's it's a quality signing for the PFL, no question about it. You know, but you do mention about the fighter pay, and of course, that was a, a big topic of conversation uh, over the past couple of days. And uh, let's just say we had a very fired up Dana White uh, talking to this is a so this is a little bit of a long uh, audio file you're going to hear. It's about six minutes long. I tried to shorten it up a little bit. I think it was initially about six and a half, seven minutes long. I was able to shorten it up a little bit, but this is from Kevin. I always interview with Dana White where, uh, well, Dana White was very animated. 
you did a thing with GQ where you answered questions on tweets and the question, one of the questions from Twitter was why does the issue of fighter pay come up? Um, and you said what you often say, but you said one thing that I think you know, got a lot of people and maybe it was misinterpreted or whatever, but I just want to read you this quote because I, you know, I want to get your take on this. You said fighters mm-hmm. aren't going to make more money. Boxing has absolutely been destroyed because of money and all the things that go on. So nobody has an argument with that. But then you said, it's never going to happen while I'm here. And I know ESPN for sure took that. And a lot of people took that as, pay raises are never going to happen because that was a headline on ESPN pay raises mm-hmm. never going to happen. Uh, the rest of it was, believe me, these guys get paid what they're supposed to get paid. They eat what they kill. They get a percentage of the pay-per-view buys and money is spread out amongst all the fighters. So are you really, so wait a minute. what you're telling, wait a minute, what you're telling me is some scumbag media guys out there watched an interview that wasn't even theirs, took it out of context and wrote stories about it saying the fighter pay is never going to go up. I'm, in shocked. Well, Come on. Get the fuck out of here. You shouldn't even be writing a fucking story about anything unless you do the fucking interview. You're going to watch a, a fun haha GQ Q&A and write a story off it? You're a piece You're a piece of shit. You're not a piece of shit for doing that. You're a piece of shit journalist because if that's the question you wanted to ask, if if you had a question about that, then fucking call me and ask me. Because that's that's not what it meant. You're 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 a typical scumbag piece of fucking journalist. If you write a story off some fucking goofy fun GQ interview, right? And you write a serious fighter pay story about it, you, 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 and you should never fucking be able to write for anybody ever again. So I what have- I said was, boxing has absolutely been destroyed because of. Being guys being all big corruption and all this other shit. You know what I mean? I'm never going to let the things that happened in boxing happen here while I'm here. That's what it meant. And if you were any kind of real journalist, you'd call and ask. So I don't give a flying fuck who wrote it, even if it was ESPN. You're a fucking piece of shit. Well, and it was ESPN, let's be honest here. But uh, so, yeah. well, there you go. And I don't, and I'm not, I, I don't, I, I, I'll disagree with you on that. Let me tell you why, because I can't wait to hear it. A lot of times, you know, fighters or you, somebody make comment and it's newsworthy comments. A lot of times it's, hey, so-and-so is going to fight so-and-so, right? And that and that becomes newsworthy comment. And you're not, you know, available to reporters 24-7 to be talking about every little piece of news that comes out. So they took a they took a video that you that you said and they wrote a story. Now, I, I, I asked you the question just now because I kind of felt like you did not say what was reported. I kind of felt like. Oh, you know why? Because you have common sense. Okay, now I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. So I'm doing a fun GQ piece. I wasn't sitting down with 60 minutes said talking about fighter pay. It's a fun edited video piece. Right. Edited. That wasn't the full interview. It wasn't a serious interview. It was a fun edited piece. And ESPN, the leader in sports, is going to write a story based uh, about fighter pay based off that video give me a break so here's here's the just to clarify and i think you did clarify and that's why you're wrong admit you're wrong i'm not gonna admit i'm just, admit you're wrong no i'm not you're wrong. wrong i didn't sit down with 60 minutes and do a full interview no, I, agree, where, I agree with where you're getting the whole thing it's an edited funny fun piece you're I, gonna I, write a story 
based on uh, about fighter pay based off that piece on GQ? Are you kidding me? Well, you notice that I didn't write that, right? So I'm, I'm not saying you. No, I, I'm saying, here for well, the I understand why. No, you're wrong, Kevin. Admit you're wrong. And <laughs> just so like is that. ESPN. Just like I was wrong when I said you didn't need title fights to be the head of pay-per-view. Right? I, I didn't, I didn't uh, and I didn't see the story. I don't even know who wrote it, but you're, you're not a journalist. You're a f- scumbag. So there you go, whoever wrote it. So here, here's what I, I just, and I. And you're f- with ESPN, all you got to do is pick up the phone and f- call me. Like, we're not going to respond to ESPN asking, hey, you said this about fighter pay. What does this mean? So here's, I just want to clarify this last thing that, you know, and I think you did a pretty good job, but I want to, so you were not saying, which a lot of people interpreted you were saying, that the fighter pay is never going to increase. That's not what you were saying. Fighter pay has gone through the roof since the sale of 2016. Fighter pay continues to go like this. Yes, you think I'm going to sit there and say, fighter pay will never go up while I'm here. That is the dumbest thing that I have ever heard. And, and you know, stupid, you have to be to think that that's what I said in that interview when I was talking about boxing. Well, I'm glad I didn't think that. So there I am. So. Well, but, 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 the, but the bottom line is this. We live in this world today where all these lazy, sexy who aren't real journalists watch other people's especially when you're watching an edited piece that's supposed to be a fun, funny piece, and you're going to write a story off fighter pay on that. Give me a break. You're a zero. You're a zero. So that was Dana White talking to Kevin Ioli and Daniel. There is so much to take away from that. Uh, that six minute of uh, audio there from Dana White. Uh, Can I say, you know, okay, fighters underpaid. You know who else is underpaid? The media? No. Well, yes. Well, it depends. Some of us. Uh, the person who was responsible for editing that audio. <laughs> the yeah. amount of F-bombs <laughs> that that poor soul who probably got paid jack <laughs> had to take out. How many F-bombs did Dana White throw on there? Could you could you imagine you're the video editor and <laughs> like, you, you've got that thing, say, you know, whether it's in Final Cut Pro or or, or, or Premiere Pro, and you how many splices of that audio oh you have? Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, literally 200. Bro, Dana White is going to talk himself out of the job because Dana White is used to bullying people who he can bully, right? When uh, when the ultimate fighter got spoiled back in the day from Sherdog, yeah. he could bully them. When Loretta uh, – well, was it Loretta Hunt? No, it's Josh she, Gross. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm moving on to a different one. Whenever he called her some really awful language, you remember that story? Yeah, yeah. I, I forget he, what – I don't know what prompted I, I, I forget what prompted him to go after Loretta, but obviously yeah. I, I, I can, in my head, I can see that video. I want to say he was sitting on a couch. Yeah. I don't even remember exactly what he said, but it was really bad. He bullied Ariel. He, he called, he called her the C word. Yeah. He, yeah. He bullies Ariel. He bullies journalists up and down. Um, you probably can't bully ESPN like that. Okay. Uh, That's uh, a dangerous well, game. Like, I, th- I think he can because of, of the content that they provide. I mean, but that's the, a coworker. The, the one thing where I'll agree with Dana White on, though, yeah, is, and, and by the way, the the person who wrote the story for ESPN was Mark Ramondi. 
I will agree with the fact of Mark should have probably picked up the phone and whether it's called the UFC PR department and go, look, there's this GQ video. It's about fighter pay. Hey, Cause you know, anytime there's something fighter pay related, we know that is going to get clicks. We, we know that. And so from, from that perspective, I'll agree with Dana White of, you know what? Mark Romani should have picked up the phone, whether it's called Leanne, the head of UFC PR or call Dana personally and say, Hey, there's this GQ video out there. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, w- was it edited in a way? Because the one thing is, is that video comes out and, like, the UFC didn't immediately come out and say, oh, that was a heavily edited video. But also, like, if you're Dana White, you do, you answer a question about fire pay, like, you think everyone's not going to report on that? Yeah, what kind of funny ha-ha answer is this, right? Like, I've seen GQ videos. It, this isn't a funny ha-ha answer. Um Look, and, the, and those were handpicked questions, too. Yes, but it was the exact same words he said were reported. Words were not added to what he said. And the issue at the end of the day isn't journalism, isn't the what Dana said. It's the fact that what the UFC is known for in 2022 is underpaying their employees. That's it. When we talk about the sports landscape, Jason, the UFC and who else? The WNBA maybe is known for underplaying their players, but they try and do the best they can. Uh, just recently, uh, w- women's soccer on the uh, on the uh, you know the World Cup teams finally yeah. got a raise in pay. There aren't that many other sports where we're having a conversation consistently about. Fighters, athletes being underpaid. Hell, college athletes might be making more, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the, the gorilla in the room is not this story. It's not journalism. It's the fact that the UFC has a reputation for giving UFC fighters a sliver of the big pie. And Jason, it's not about pay going up because it should go up because you're paying them possibly less than twenty percent of the of the thing. It should go up. It's not about should it go up. It's about how much of the pie are you giving the UFC fighters. And this story will not end here. I do believe the fighter pay discussion will be the end of Dana White in the UFC. I really do think this story is going to take him out from where he is. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, how, you know, this antitrust lawsuit's going to, yeah, I mean, look, it's already opened up a a lot of our eyes. I mean, I think, you know, prior to this, we kind of had an idea of what fighter pay was like. And, you know, I mean, look, you know, we, do we know what the UFC books look like? No. Also, you, you know what the, the biggest comedy of that Dana White quote was? What's that? Clearly Dana White does not follow MMA media websites. The part where he says, he goes, you should not write a story if you did, if it wasn't your own interview. Bro, like, have we not seen every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that people are just literally watching Ariel Hawani's show to get content? Yeah, Ariel Hawani is the journalism of, he provides the, he provides the content. But bro, it's not just MMA. Has he not logged on to the front page of ESPN? Has he not logged onto the front page of any website? Okay, everybody and their mother has a podcast. Everybody and their mother is doing a video content. So that is like the open space of the words are happening. Yeah. And on ESPN, when you look at the headlines 
on any given day, three to five of those headlines will be a cause, will be about a quote from somebody on a podcast. How many different headlines have we seen from the Draymond Green podcast that have been an ESPN headline? Kevin Durant talking about something on a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. That's just the day and age we live in. And if Dana White is unfamiliar of how the world works, then what, what's the name of those people that he gave a million dollars to or whatever, however, a hundred thousand, the Nelk boys, he needs to get in contact with the Nelk boys to get in touch with how society works now. Yeah. It, it's just hilarious. By the way, you talk about fighter pay and, uh, <laughs> Oh boy, Luke Rockhold went off today. Root against me for what? What are they going to do? I mean, root against me, go for it. Do your thing, dude. I'm here to fight. I, I'm not saying anything that's not real. Everything I'm saying is justified and truthful. Just because like I should be in a position of power before I say this shit? Fuck off, I got nothing to lose. I don't need this business. It's just like, you know, I, I love the fighting. And I'm here to fight the best motherfuckers and this happens to be the place where it's done. You know? The, the company is fucking growing and they're implementing other little stupid ass bonuses. $5,000 here, $5,000 there. $50,000, man. We've been stuck on this motherfucker for fucking 20 fucking years. I mean, back when GSP fought Jake, what is it, 100,000? Fucking, there was growing. There was, there was, when Lorenzo and Frank were running the show, there was real grounding wires. These guys don't, they don't know what they're doing. They're letting Dana just run the show and suppress the sport. And this, they need to grow. This whole fucking thing needs to grow together. Our lives are on the fucking line. Healthcare needs to be taken care of. Our fucking health needs to be taken care of. Mine is not, has not been taken care of. You know what I mean? It's like, I, there's a lot of people that, there's a lot of things need to fucking change. It's like, I'm just not going to be scared to say it. Everyone wants to fucking, because they want to get that title shot. They want to move up. And they, I've fucking done it all. And it's like, yeah, this is business. Every business is like this. It's about leverage. It's a game of leverage in life. And it's about fucking always keeping the upper hand. It's, it's not just here. It's everywhere. And if you let these motherfuckers think that they have that leverage, it's only going to grow above you. So it's just people understanding their worth. There you have Luke Rockhold. That was from earlier today at the UFC Media Day. He had uh, done another interview. Um, I, I know the story appeared on my MMA news, and John Nash had this. Uh, uh, he, he mentioned one of the quotes that Luke had where he said, quote, you have managers that are in the pocket of the UFC that govern a massive umbrella of fighters. UFC uses these two or three managers. We all know who they are. We'll never speak up against the UFC. This is the UFC's monopoly, their Manifosco tactics. And Nate Quarry ends up uh, quoting this tweet. And, of course, we all know Nate Quarry is a part of the antitrust lawsuit that's currently going on. And he tweeted this, quote, in the discovery of our UFC lawsuit, we found emails from managers to the UFC brass saying their fighters will actually take less money than offered to to gain favor with the UFC as a manager that is easy to work with. Beloved managers, I can't wait for it to be public info, which I literally wanted to quote that tweet with just a popcorn emoji. Oh, oh my gosh. We got a lot of tea, as the kids say. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. A lot of okay. This is this is a new one to me. New one, you know. For you know, almost be forty-one-year-old Jason over here. Uh, tea that that's the new uh, new hip thing people are saying. 
I think so. I think so. You know, that's what people say when there's drama. It's more of like a feminine thing, like, oh, the tea. You know, my girlfriend says it a lot. but And I, in fact, say it when I talk to my girlfriend. It's uh, it's caught on. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of tea. There's a lot of drama. You know, you're just kind of drinking some tea. Like, I don't know specifically where it comes from, but it's, a, it's part of culture. But, yes, Jason, there is, in fact, a lot of tea. And, uh, unfortunately, fighters can't afford to buy much of the tea because they're underpaid. But, uh, you know, do I think Luke Rockhold is fighting his last fight in the UFC? Probably. He's talking like it. I mean, can you imagine the conversation that happened as soon as the press conference was over? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but you know, the one thing he did say there, though, is yeah. if you want to fight in the best people, best fighters in the world, this is where you got to come to fight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the UFC has a, uh, has the best fighters on the planet, uh, without a doubt. And, um, I just think, uh, I just think that the UFC probably doesn't want to be in the Luke Rockhold business after he made those comments. Uh, I mean, I just feel like they, uh, the UFC is a very, very spiteful organization that pays attention to what you say. You know, Shane Burgos didn't burn any bridges on the way out. He has an opportunity, I think down the line to come back into the UFC. Luke Rockhold, I, I do think he will not fight again in the UFC after these comments. Uh, I want to applaud him for making these comments because it's brave of him to do that. You know, this guy has had a lot of time to think about fighter pay and health care, given the fact he hasn't fought since 2019 and he had a deal with a herniated disc. That's a lot of time to think about the economics of the sport. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I'll be rooting for him, but... Man, that Luke Rockhold Paulo Costa fight is one that I don't know how to pick. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see. I feel like a lot of times, like we'll get like these tweets, like from Nate Quarry, not Nate Quarry exactly, but like these really juicy tweets. And I never get the uh, the delivery. Like I want to see the delivery. What are the names of the managers? Who are the guys that did this? Like, come on, let's let's release the info. I think anyone who knows the management game, I think we all have a pretty good idea who he's talking about. Yeah, probably some of the probably some of the more famous managers. Who, I, I don't I don't think it's it's hard to figure out who he's talking about. Exactly. Now, now look, now the juicy part will be is when those emails become public record. Now the, the that's spe- the juicy part. The specific emails, yes. Yeah. The content of those emails, yes. So and, I'm already ready to see them. And did the fighters in question know their manager was telling the UFC their fighter would take less money to take the fight? That that doubt, to me is the other it. aspect of it. I really doubt that. Can you imagine telling your client that? I really can't imagine that, but it's possible. I mean, you know, it, it's certainly possible. But, uh, yeah, it really does feel like this this discussion is certainly heating up. And, um, you know, I think it'll be another big talking point whenever UFC uh, 280 comes comes rolling. Or, oh, no, 279. Two, when 279 comes rolling around with Shemaev and Diaz, like, you, know, you look at that fight card and, and, and fighter pay is going to be a big discussion of that and, Hell, if you're the PFL, you know, you talk about doing a pay-per-view. Diaz versus Burgos on that pay-per-view could draw. I mean, Diaz himself is going to be the drawing power, but Burgos is a hell of a dancing partner for Nate Diaz. I mean, look, how how much are you going to have to pay Nate Diaz? Well, dude, the PFL has, like, unlimited money, apparently. <laughs> the PFO has like figured out how to print money, and I, I would like to know how they do it. But yeah, yeah, uh, they they figure it out. 
you know, as we kind of talk about UFC 278, so when okay. I started kind of taking a deep dive in this card, I was actually kind of surprised to see Luke and Paulo as a co-main event of this card. I would have thought it would have been Marab and Aldo, personally. But, you know, look, when you talk about that co-main event, Luke Rockhold has not won a fight. Now, look, he's not been active. He has not fought two times in a year since 2015. His last win came September 16th, 2017, a second-round TKO win against David Branch. Since then, knocked out by Romero, knocked out by Jan Blachowicz, of course, going up to 205 pounds for that one. And, of course, Paul Costa, things have not gone well for him in his last two fights. The last time he won a fight was August 17th of 2019 at UFC 241, a unanimous decision win against your Romero Simpson. Uh, he got uh, defeated by uh, Izzy via TKO, then coming off a decision loss in Mar- against Martin Vittori back in October of 2021. That was a five-round matchup, ultimately uh, be a light heavyweight matchup matchup but uh you know watching embedded this week uh you know paul costas talked about how his weight is in a good position you know i just i kind of wonder with with luke in this matchup of you know is there some issues with the chin but like if you tell me this fight's going to hit the mat i like luke rockhold luke rockhold has got killer jujitsu that i think a lot of people really don't talk about but like if you tell me this fight plays out on the feet even though like look like you you watch the embedded you you look at various things i mean luke looks in incredible shape i mean i mean bro i mean he he's seen the weight room yeah, I agree with you. I've been watching the embedded, and I was actually going to point out the exact same thing. Physically, Luke Rockhold is shredded. I mean, he physically, like, I just look, well, he's always looked pretty good, actually, but he looks really good. Like, he he may look like the best he's ever looked in terms of physically. At the end of the day, though, it's this is a fight I can't even, I wouldn't want to put a pick on. Like, like when you look at the betting odds, Paulo Costa is a heavy favorite. I mean, we're talking minus 340 on Paulo Costa. I would just stay away from this fight because here's the thing. On one side, I do not trust Paulo Costa to put money on him. He, to me, is someone who is just, he's in his own little world and he is wasting his potential because of mistakes outside of the cage. And that concerns the holy hell out of me in terms of putting money down on Paulo Costa. When it comes to fight IQ, Luke Rockhold, to me, has a massive advantage. When it comes to stand-up, Paulo Costa, to me, has a massive power advantage. I could see Paulo Costa coming out here and wasting Luke Rockhold in two minutes. Luke Rockhold is 37 years old. He's dealt with a herniated disc. When he was winning fights, Chris Weidman was in his prime. That is no longer the case. Um... It's a tough fight to pick. I I like what you said about the grappling. I I think you're certainly right. If I had to pick, Jason, I'm going Paulo Costa. Obviously, it's not a brave pick because he's a massive favorite. But I just feel like this is one of those situations where once you step off the gas when your MMA career, it's rare that you're able to come back and have success. One of the few people that have done that is the greatest welterweight of all time, George St. Pierre. But there aren't that many others, which is why I'm not picking Luke Rockhold. But I must say, he looks amazing. Like, look, if you gamble on fights, you know, and you're you're looking for a value. I mean, look, I don't mind Luke Rockhold. I mean, you know, anywhere from plus two fifty all the way up to to plus two ninety. 
uh, depending on, on the sports book you're at. I mean, like, look, if I think if you wanted to play a Paul Costa bet, I'd probably look at Paul Costa wins via TKO KO, which uh, I want to say you get around uh, minus one sixty or so. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it, I'm like you, like both these guys are just kind of like at, at this very much crossroads. You know, Luke has been kind of talking this week about he feels that you know Paul really hasn't had to deal with the adversity that he's had to deal with, but. Um, you know, I mean, obviously everything is about the main event of Usman and Edwards, you know, with Usman, I, I think one of the question marks for me, you know, I mean, look, it's, I mean, he's building this resume is going down as one of the greatest fighters to ever do this, regardless of weight class is how does he bounce back coming back from that hand surgery that he had? Do we see any, see any remnants of that? Uh, I mean, like, you know, these guys fought so long ago, they're both different guys at this point. You look at what Usman has done since going out to Colorado with Trevor Whitman. I mean, how, how do you not love Usman to win this matchup? But, you know, he's one of those guys, and, and I think I always think about his appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of years ago where he basically talked about, like, and his his body's been through a lot over the years. I mean, the wear and tear of being an athlete over there. Um, I mean, look, if Leon Edwards is going to, you know, pull off the upset here and kind of quote unquote shock the MMA world, to me, he's got to keep this fight on the feet. He he cannot allow this to become a grappling matchup. Yeah, it, then it's going to be a flashback to the first time they fought. Yeah. That was the great equalizer. Edwards on his back. Look, uh, Leon Edwards has improved dramatically since that fight, as has Kamar Usman. I mean, Kamar Usman's stand-up is, like, hella, hella great. Uh, I think Leon does a phenomenal job getting back off his back. I think he does a phenomenal job within the clinch as well. I think Leon is just one hell of a challenge for Kamar Usman. And uh, I'll say this much. You know, Kamar Usman's had an impressive resume. I mean, straight up, this dude's just undefeated in the UFC. It's crazy to think about how long he's been in the UFC and the fact that he's remained undefeated. I do think Kamar Usman's going to go down as the best fighter of all time if he wins his next three fights. Because I think Leon Edwards is a hell of a challenge. I think his next title defense will be against Chimaev. And then I think the one after that is probably going to be someone like either Shavkat Rach- Rachmanov or Sean Brady. I think one of those two guys at that point mm-hmm. – may be the next and if Usman's able to get through those three like hella great challengers i'm willing to say he's had a better career than george st pierre at that point because i will say i feel like the fighters kamara Usman's been fighting have been better than quite a few of the guys like compare compare like colby covington to dan hardy Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's there's no comparison in, in skill level of opponent quality. What Kamara is going after for is the quantity of wins uh, to match GSP. But Kamara Usman might, in fact, be the best fighter of all time. Only time will tell. That being said, Jason, I'm picking Leon Edwards to beat Kamara really? in this fight. I am picking Leon Edwards to beat Kamara in this fight. Seems like a bad pick. Uh, I just feel like Leon Edwards is the better striker of the two. And Leon Edwards is going to be really good in the clinch and he's going to not let Kamaru dominate him with his wrestling. That might not happen. Obviously Leon's a big underdog. Also Leon Edwards has got to be so locked in on this fight. Think about the journey it took for him to get here. And we all known he's deserving of a number one contender fight for two plus years since the damn pandemic started is when it was clear Leon Edwards deserved a title opportunity. I think Leon Edwards' tactical stand-up and the weapons he have 
is unlike anything else in this division, and he will outpoint Camaro on the feet. So that's why I like Leon Edwards. Well, I guess I should clip this audio in case it does happen. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, Daniel called it. He said it. Well, the thing is, like, bro, it's impressive. And what I say is I don't want to disrespect Kamara Usman because he's clearly, like, either him or Volk is the pound-for-pound best fighter on the planet right now. And and I think it's probably him. Uh, I think it certainly is him. But the thing is, it is so hard for Usman to continue to just defend this championship again and again and again and to reiterate what you cited on the Joe Rogan podcast. He is dealing with real significant injuries and this guy's closer to 40 than 30. Um, and he's been competing all his life. And it's, you know, it's only a matter of time, I think. But he also might just be the best fighter of all time. This is a phenomenal main event. A phenomenal main event. And I can't wait to see it. The one thing that concerns me about Leon Edwards is the quality of wins is a much lower than Kamaru. Kamaru has just simply been in there with better fighters more often than Leon. And that concerns me. You know, one of the things, that, and I was listening to the Morning Combat preview show they did, and I thought they, they brought up a, an interesting talking point that they were kind of debating. And it's, we all know Kamar Usman is, you know, one of the most talented fighters in the world and will likely go down as one of the most talented fighters to ever do this. Is a fact of, do people care about Kamar Usman? And, and when they said that, I was like, damn, that's, a, that's an interesting topic. Yeah, because I, think, I would yeah. say I care about it because I like I like watching greatness compete, and like to me, Kamaru Usman's he's he's one of the greatest to do this. And, but I was I was like, man, that's that's a really interesting topic. Yeah, it, it, I, I think more people care about Israel Adesanya than Kamaru, and I can't put my finger on why. I don't know if it's the personality, if it's the fight style, the way they've been promoted. It's a tough one. I, I really don't know. Um, but that's a hell that's that's a good point. I mean, you know, you look up and down at the at the various champions. I think Kamaru has maybe resonated with you know, I, I feel like maybe Yuri Prohaska has resonated more with people than Kamaru, but I, I can't explain to you why. Um, but you know, I don't think Usman's particularly interested in whether or not people care about him. It's all about the legacy, but that's a good point. But it, it is something where it's like, you know, we're power ranking the greats of all time. Like, would you put Usman over Nurmagomedov already? I think I would because of, of resume. I, I would, God, man. The one thing is, is, is Habib just dominated. But I think when we talk about strength of competition, I think for, I think I would give the edge to Usman because he, I think he's fought tougher competition. Yeah, like how many guys are you putting above Usman right now? Not many. Yeah, like I feel like these are the guys I'm putting GSP above Usman. I'm putting Anderson above Usman. I'm putting John Jones above Usman, and I'm thinking of putting Demetrius Johnson above Usman. But I'm probably putting Usman above Demetrius Johnson. Would you put Fedor? No, I would not put Fedor. And and I love and I have a lot of respect for Fedor and the run he went on. And he beat some freaking great heavyweights in pride. But I wouldn't put Fedor. The reason being is, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I feel okay. like. Yeah. As you started talking about it, I, the reason I would not put Fedor up there is because fighting has evolved. 
like his wrestling isn't there. And you know, the, the, the people that are fighting right now are just so much more evolved as fighters. Than, and it's not to try to, to discredit what Fedor did. You know, he was, you know, in his era, he was the best of the best. But, you know, it, you know, if you took the, the fighters in the prime against, say, someone like a Usman in their prime, I mean, Usman's just a, he's an incredible fighter. And, I mean, I, I love watching him fight, but it's it just, to me, it was an interesting one. Also, it made me think of, also, do we magically all of a sudden hear from Colby Covington again? Because, you know, he's disappeared since, yeah. catch, since catching a two-piece. Yeah, I think I think we will. I think he'll he'll try and make it the case for the fight. But he's look, Colby Covington's going to be a really big fan of Nate Diaz when he fights Chimaev because without a shadow of a doubt, if Chimaev wins, that's going to be the next fight yeah, without Dana, a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, Dana was asked about that last night, and Dana pretty much like he's not committing, but he's pretty much saying, yeah, that's probably a good good bet. The the only the only thing that could stop that is if Edwards beats Usman, then he might just do the rematch. Yeah. But e- even that, I mean, and if Edwards beats Usman, you might just do the look, Usman Covington rematch and do Edwards versus Jemayev. If Leon Edwards walks out of Salt Lake City as a UFC welterweight champion, his first title defense has got to be in London. It's got to be. Oh my god, yeah. Dude, they got to do that with like a Patty Pimblet co-main event. Tom Aspinall coming back. That's a pay-per-view, man. Oh, God. By, by the yeah. way, uh, oh, speaking of Patty Pimblett, we'll oh, get yeah. back to UFC 278, <laughs> but since you brought him up. Yeah. So uh, Dana White was uh, asked about Patty Pimblett's weight last night because Patty Pimblett uh, talked to the media last week in San Diego and noted how he's weighing around 200 pounds. What do you make of his weight fluctuation? He said he was 200 pounds on Saturday night. What do you make of the fact that he blows up and blows down in between fights? It's not good for you. You know, I mean, we all know that. We know that fluctuating and cutting that much weight is, is very bad. And, um, and it, uh, it definitely doesn't prolong your career. You know, it's, it, it's tough on your body and, and, and your organs and stuff like that. But listen, he's a grown man. He can, he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. Um, you know, it makes it tough for us, too, because when we're in the, in the matchmaking room, we want to throw together a fight. Maybe, maybe, maybe we could throw him on a card in a month, month and a half. It hurts us too. We have to be very specific when we plan fights for him because he's not—he's nowhere near close to weight. And what you don't want to do is put that kind of pressure on him to cut that much weight uh, in that short amount of time. So, is that the sort of thing as well that if you did do that and then he missed weight, you could imagine the crazy backlash about it, right? Like, oh, you blew up so much and then you missed weight. You know, you don't—you don't want that to happen to him either, right? I don't—I really don't give a shit about backlash, but you know, I'm, I care more about him and his health and safety than than backlash. Do you ever have a com- will, do you think you'll one day have a conversation with him about like okay you're no. now getting older? That's none of my business, man. That's 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 all up to him. You know, if if this guy, you know, likes food, listen, I, he's preaching to the preacher over here. <laughs> I like food too, so I get it. Um, get him on fuck it Friday. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, now that that's totally up to him, man. It's his life, it's his career, it's his body, he can do whatever he wants. It Daniel, it's crazy when you see a side-by-side shot of Patty Pimblett on fight night as opposed to Patty Pimblett outside of camp. Like, and I've said this now for a couple months now. I'm like, man, like if Patty Pimblett is going to become a, you know, top UFC fighter and, and compete for a title, man, he can't blow up like this. Which heavyweight would you want Patty Pimblett to fight? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I didn't realize he got to 200 pounds. I mean, look, I'm almost, I mean, I, I'm like 180. But, uh, yeah, that's freaking crazy, bro. Like, the thing is, 
Patty Pimblett should be in the gym, which I think he is in the gym. But how the hell do you get in the gym, do your training, and still get to 200 pounds, dude? This is one of the few times we've talked about a fighter like getting. Like, how often do we talk about fighters putting on weight like this? Like, Patty has a freaking problem, bro. Like, this is this is too much. Like, this can't be your reputation that you just balloon up in between fights and and. That's never happened in a person's become a UFC champion, right? We've never had this discussion about John Jones. And we've had other discussions about maybe some problems John Jones may have, but we've never had those discussions. I mean, you know, the only fighters that have become champions that have problems with food, well, they hold the heavyweight strap. Yeah, look at your phone. I just sent you a picture from Patty from last Saturday and when Patty fought his last fight. Holy crap. Holy crap. Dude. Damn. Those look like two completely different people. But he also says that he has fat cheeks. So, but yeah, it's like it goes to the cheeks first because, yeah, you see the cheekbone. And yeah, Pat, uh, I love Patty, but damn, he looks bad. Yeah. I mean, and, and look at, by the way, I saw uh, Bobby Green talk about one in that fight. No way the UFC books that fight. No goddamn way. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, they're not booking that one. They're not booking the Terrence McKinney fight I picked. I pitched. Uh, no. he's, they he's are not getting... booking someone against him that could potentially take advantage of some of the boxing defensive issues that Patty, Patty has. Absolutely not. But, um, you know, what else is there to like about this card? I, I would say this, man. It's kind of like, I don't know, Maybe, maybe I feel like we've been spoiled this year with UFC pay-per-views, you know? Um, I mean, but I mean, look, the, the Aldo Marab fight to me, you know, Marab, I was really, you know, taking on Jose Aldo. That, that to me is probably the fight. Uh, that would probably be my number two fight of this card. You know, I think the question is, is can Aldo mimic the, um, the success that, um, uh, Marlon Moraes had, had against uh, Marab early on in that fight. I mean, to me, Jose Aldo's got to utilize the leg kicks there, but man, just, you you know the cardio machine that Marab is going to be. I mean, like, when I was watching the Cheeto Verify, one, one of the thoughts I had is like, man, I wonder what Marab would look like against Cheeto. Oh, yeah, that'd be a really good fight, and that's a bad matchup for Cheeto, in my opinion, and, and that's the type of fight that I think would, would Cheeto would not want. I mean, I would love to see Cheeto take on Peter Yan, but well, Marab, I mean, I, I feel like Marab's going to win the grappling exchanges. But and, can, he, and, can he, like, in this matchup, can Marab get to the ground? Well, I think against, against Jose Aldo... Aldo's I got think, a 90% takedown defense. Yeah, I think the answer is probably not, but at some point in time, you got to look at the physical uh, component of this in terms of the athleticism of Marab compared to the athleticism of Aldo. And at some point, the physical nature of the takedown defense will falter as Aldo continues to age. I mean, he's going to go up against a machine right now. And I've gone back and forth on this one. Ultimately, I'm going to pick Marab to, to, to beat Aldo. But it, it's a tough fight. I, I will say, man, if uh, God, if Aldo beats Marab, man, I mean, what a freaking career! If Aldo beats Marab, I mean, I guess that's another guy that I forgot to mention when it comes to the goat conversation. Uh, it would, it would be a uh, if he beats Marab here. It's like maybe Aldo's destined to win that bantamweight championship. You know, I mean, 
geez, if he beats Dallas Sheely here. But uh, I agree with you. I do think this fight should be the co-main event. The other thing that's kind of crazy is the amount of big betting favorites that we have on this card. Tyson Pedro, a 8-1 to one betting favorite in the opening matchup of the pay-per-view against Harry Hunsinger. Uh, you got uh, Alexander Romanoff, nearly a 4-1 to one betting favorite in the featured prelim against Marcin Tiber. By the way, uh, the uh, TV prelims will be on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Plus. Uh, Miranda Maverick, she is a minus 550 betting favorite against Shaney Young. Sean Woodson is a minus 340 betting favorite against Louis Saldana. Jared Gooden is a 3-1 to one betting favorite against Leonardo Santos. Amir Albazi is a minus 470 betting favorite against Francisco Figueredo. Uh, so we got some big ones on there. Uh, I will tell you, uh, from my perspective, I'm interested to see what Jay Perrin looks like taking on a Rory Lang. Jay Perrin had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and you know it was you know it was interesting kind of talking to him about he has put everything into this. He's he's been living in Vegas for the past couple of years. You know he's really been working with the PI leading this one. I'm interested to see what he looks like in terms of that one. But uh, you know overall, like it's. It's not as sexy of a pay-per-view as we've had in a while, but there's still some matchups. I mean, like, those top three matchups are, are very interesting to me. I mean, I don't know what to make of, of Paul Costa and Luke Rockle. Like, like you mentioned about, like, going down my picks, like, going down the uh, the main card picks for me, I, I got to pick Kamaru Usman. I know you, you mentioned you like Leon Edwards. Co-main event, God, I guess Paul Costa. Yeah, I, I'm also picking Paul Costa. I don't feel good about it. I mean, then, I, Aldo Marab, I lean Marab. Yeah, I go Marab, and then uh, you know, Pado- Padova against uh, you know, Wuanan. I kind of, I kind of have a feeling that Padova is going to win that fight. Yeah, but I mean, she's a slight, would, she's a slight betting favorite in that one. And then I would expect Tyson Pedro goes out there and, and beats Harry Hunsinger. Yeah, simply put, the Yunnan and Pedro fights don't belong in a pay per view main card. Um, I'm surprised I, the Romanoff Tibera fights on a pay per view. Exactly, uh, I the, would have put on, that fight on there. The only thing I can think of is maybe the UFC is trying to pro, is trying to get Romanoff in front of uh, maybe a bigger audience with being on ABC. It's on. It's on ESPN though. No, it's on Where's ESPN. Like, it's on ESPN as well, but it's on oh. ABC. It's being simulcast on ABC as well. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, well, shout out to Wikipedia for not putting that on there. Uh, freaking Wikipedia. But I mean, hey, maybe you should you know roll over to that ESPN MMA website. Much like Patty Pimblet, I will not give up my my addiction to Wikipedia. Um, uh, so let me ask you this: yeah. You can only watch one on Saturday afternoon. What are you watching? PFL featherweights and women lightweight semifinals, or BKFC headline by Michael Page and Mike Perry. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. And uh, look, Michael Page and Mike Perry is going to be the best fight of the uh, between those two. I mean, that's going to be an absolute barn burner. Jim Ross would call it a slobber knocker. But out of principle, I'm going to pick PFL. Okay, out of principle, I'm going to go with MMA over bare knuckle boxing. But I must admit that I yes, I mean I, that that Page Perry fight is absurdly like exciting to, to think about, and I will watch it. But uh, look, this PFL card to me is the strongest of the PFL playoff cards they've had so far. You've got Kayla Harrison, their biggest star, going up against Martina Chindrova, who, like, is a pretty good striker. You know, Kayla better take her down. 
Chris Wade, Brendan Loney is one of the best fights of the semifinals that they've had. It's a hell of a fight. I think Chris Wade wins that one. Pacheco is going to easily get to the uh, get to the finals. And then, you know, you got Ryoji Kudo and Bubba Jenkins. You know, it's a good little fight that I think Jenkins will use his wrestling to win. But I'm assuming, you know, the Michael Page Perry is what you're going to be looking forward to the most, right? Yeah, just from a, you know, I just think it's going to be a fun fight. Yeah, it is. I mean, it look, is. I expect Kayla to roll through Martina. I mean, I'm just that's what I expect. I mean, you know, I I think if you're the PFL, you're you're hoping that Pacheco um, a makes weight. We saw that ha- the issue that happened last year with that, and, and that you can potentially set up Kayla versus Pacheco in the finals. Uh, Wade and Laughlin had kind of a good back and forth today on Ariel Show. Um, you know, and we saw what Kudo was able to do when he came in uh, with that knockout to to get into the semifinals here against Bubba Jenkins. You got to imagine Jenkins will will try to uh, you know utilize that wrestling. I, I can't imagine that he's going to look to have a striking matchup. Yeah, you know, uh, the F- the PFL has had a concerted effort to get their people on the MA Hour. Really smart strategy. Oh, totally. You see, yeah. it, you see it consistently, and uh, really smart strategy. Bellator should look to uh, copy that strategy. But um, also I'll say the people have some good fighters in these prelims. Uh, this women flyweight fighter, Dakota Decheva, very young, undefeated, high Muay Thai experience. That's an interesting name. And also light heavyweight, Simeon Powell. I, I must say PFL has done a good job of, of, of finding high-level prospects. And getting them fights, so uh, yeah, it's clear to me what they're doing here is they're they're trying to develop a, an international market with England, and I think that's a very smart move on their half. Uh, something uh, I want to mention before we get out of here on this episode: kudos to the California State Athletic Commission. Always love when they put out these fight night weights, and they did that uh, this past weekend for UFC San Diego. Uh, some of your big uh, weight gainers: Tyson Nam gained sixteen percent of his. Weight. Uh, he walked into the cage or walked into fight night at 146.2 pounds, gaining 16%, gaining 20 pounds following the weigh in. Uh, Dominic Cruz uh, gained 14% uh, back, uh, weighing at 154 pounds. Uh, Yasmin also gained 14%. Yusuf Law also gained 14%. I always, when I see the California Commission put those numbers out, uh, Daniel, I just, I find that so fascinating just to see what fighters are, what what their weight is on fight. Yeah, I wish every state athletic commission did that, man. It, it, it's great info, and uh, it's, uh, it's good stuff. The only thing that the athletic commission did poorly on fight night was when David Onama and Nate Landwehr were introduced – they got right in each other's faces and like nobody separated them until it got awkward. <laughs> they probably should have had someone there to do that. Otherwise, good job by California. It's always and you know, it's it's so you know it's so weird every time they're fighting, fighting fans, I'm like, man, this is awesome. This yeah. sounds awesome. I guess we're gonna so use those Apex shows. Yeah, it's uh it's something that I think one of the things the pandemic made people that lived through it never Take for granted again is uh, fans, without a doubt. By the way, if you're a listener and you live in Nashville, I'll be on Broadway Saturday night following the game. I'm I'm guessing if I want to watch the fights, I probably got to watch them on my phone. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't think I'll be on any well, new, uh, newsflash. I'll, I'll be on Broadway Friday night too. Yeah, <laughs> newsflash. I'll be there. You know, good chance. You know, I, I forgot. You know, when I was doing some research on, you know, um. 
quality Nashville establishments of how many rooftop bars are. I'm, I'm a big rooftop bar guy. Well, do, hey, do, man. Do you have rooftop bars in the in the Rio Grande? There's, there's a few. There's a few. Uh, not a lot. Not as much as uh, Nashville, but uh, I get the – it's a great atmosphere, huh? Great environment. Yeah, I was, uh, I was looking to see what uh, if there were any places that had darts. Um, I, I love to play darts, bro. That's that's my thing. Darts and, and, and drink some beers, man. Well, I hope you get some hot chicken. When you're uh, in that was one that's of the things I was looking up is is what were some of the good hot chicken places. So if you listen to this podcast, you live in Nashville, you got some recommendations, let your boy know. Heck yeah. Me, me and the crew yeah. will come roll out. Hell yeah. Get some hot chicken, my man. Yeah, I, love, I, love I Look, I always want some good food, man. Yeah, I, I know you're good for that. You've had some great meals, as I've seen on your social media. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm absolutely proud of you. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, what, what did I have last weekend? Uh, I, made, I made some ribeyes at home. I remember that. It was, those were good. I had uh, I had chicken wings, you know, uh, during the fight night. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm a chicken wing kind of guy. But, you know, it gets to me sometimes. I... You know, I, I eat my chicken that, wings. That, that could be the tough part about eating chicken wings out and about, and, and you know, you know, you're not going home for a while. Yeah, I and I'm at a point now where I'm gonna have to poop five minutes afterwards. Like I, I've, I've got <laughs> so problems. You're, so you're, you're like my dog. I'm literally like a dog. Yes, yes. <laughs> you got to stop feeding your dog hot sauce. Oh uh, yeah, he he's oh he bro he's it's a routine, bro. He eats, and he gives you that look. It's like when you go outside. <laughs> And bolts to the door. I, I can't believe I can relate to your dog, but I absolutely can. Yeah. I actually had to take my dog to the vet Friday morning. And it's always weird because, you know, um, he's got to get some vaccine shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always say you need to bring in a fresh, uh, fresh bag of poop. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, at least in my vet it is. Wait, what's it for? They're testing it for... Oh, oh, like it's not like you yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a, testing and make sure. Uh, you know. I, 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 I have a quote unquote senior dog. He's 10 years old. Uh huh. Yeah, mine's up there too. I don't know how old he is, but he, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, we, we kind of know best case scenario, five more years. Isn't that depressing to think about? Dude, I, w- I was thinking about that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh. Yeah, it's, that would uh, not be. Yeah, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll be tough, you know. But hey, man, you know that's life. That's just how it goes, my man. But hey, you gotta appreciate every day we get with our uh, our furry creatures. Yeah, he he de- he definitely does not like going to the vet. He knows when we at that parking lot. He knows where we're at, yeah. and he literally starts shaking. Like the worst thing was during the pandemic because you couldn't go inside. Uh huh. And so they would literally come get your dog from the car. And you felt so horrible. Like, my dog is scared shitless. Like, Literally. Can I can I not go with them? No. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy time, man. People will be waiting a long time for their dogs and stuff in their cars. Dude, the, wor- the worst part was, like, there was a time where me and my wife were in the car. We were getting them checked out. We were concerned about something. And... They call us and go, the doctor's going to come out and see you. We're like, oh, no. Oh, gosh. And then he, and he comes up and says, everything was okay. I'm like, hey, doc, just a little advice. Y'all scared the crap out of us. I know. I know. They got to know what they're doing with that. They're just trying to entertain themselves as jerks. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he yeah, he hates the vet. Oh, he hates the vet. Oh, I, man. 
I can't blame him. I wouldn't like it either if it's, I went it's, there. It's like he looked at me and goes, you changed. You changed. <laughs> because I used to like you. <laughs> Where's the treat? Where's my treat and my food? This is this is a this is a crock. Yeah, he's pretty this much. So where's that bacon strip, buddy? Yeah, you, you better give me that bacon strip when we get home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I look, it, it'll be interesting to see if if the UFC pay per view is on anywhere, uh, you know, in in, in Broadway and Nashville. So that'd be interesting, you know. Hopefully it is. If not, I'm just gonna order my phone. Yeah, I mean you'll you'll. Uh, You'll you'll probably be watching on your phone while you're doing some people oh, watching. Oh, gu- guarantee. I, I would. Yeah. I would be relatively surprised if I if it if I see it out about. But hey, maybe maybe I will. Man, that'd be that'd be awesome. I don't have to fork over. God, it's like eighty five dollars after taxes now. Oh, bro, yeah. it's getting crazy, man. It is getting crazy, and it just keeps on getting worse. Every time but, I like, I order it and I get that notification on my phone, how much it really costs after taxes, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ! It's like yeah. ten dollars in taxes you got to pay. Yeah, man, it's 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 it's, it's a tough pill to swallow every pay per view, but at least the pay per views are pretty damn good. Yeah, that that is the one thing, man. These these UFC pay per views have absolutely delivered. But I mean, like, look, like. As a combat sports fan, man, Saturday, you got a ton that you can take in. You can take in the PFL, you know, B, uh, BKFC, UFC at night. So much to take in. Absolutely. I'll be, I'll be, be in a football good. world, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's just – I just hope it don't rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it'll be it'll be a great week, my man. It'll be a great week, and uh, we'll be back next week, and – you know, we are, we'll have a whole hell of a lot to talk about, and God knows what news will break. Yeah, I will. Next seven uh, days. I will tell you on Sunday's podcast, which probably, by the way, probably will not get up till late in the day unless I get it recorded on Friday. Uh, I did talk to Lloyd McKinney today, who won the uh, interim CFFC flyweight title last month. Had a great conversation with him. Um, one of the, you know, Dan, you know, I just like to have these conversations with fighters. One of the things that came up is because. Um, you know, in his post-fight interview, he talked about how seven years ago, you know, he was on probation and there's a part of the conversation where we talk about what his advice would be to people who are just getting out of prison, just getting out of jail and the struggles to get a job. Damn. So that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, you know, Lloyd's one of those guys that, uh, I've got a chance to get to know over the past, uh, probably two years or so. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, just kind of one of those things. And, uh, you know, well, you know, he's a guy that I think, you know, if we see a short notice flyweight matchup, he could be a guy uh, that, that steps into there. Uh, I've do got one other interview, also chasing another interview. So we'll see if that comes together. Of course, that'll be on Sunday's edition of the podcast. And uh, myself and Dan will be back here next Wednesday. We'll talk uh, UFC 278. Also, uh, we have no UFC fight card next week, Daniel, by the way. Wow. That's a rarity, bro. <laughs> can't on one hand how many weeks of the year that's the case. It would be what? 12 weeks a year? Yeah, just about. Because they just basically about. run 42 events a week. 10, 10 weeks a year. Yeah, 10 weeks a year. Yeah, but sometimes they'll run a couple events a, a week, but not often. Yeah, maybe that's but, where the PFL screwed up. They should have had uh, should run a show this week. They should have run a show next week when they yeah when they would have been the only show in town because uh, really, really Bellator's should. God I want to say like September twelfth is their next show. Yeah, they should have they should have done that. That's crazy. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just uh, you know, you know, like mention you know, not using Wikipedia. Uh, but but 
you do got the one championship car on, on uh, Amazon Prime next week. That's on, uh, I want to say that's like 9 o'clock here in, in the in the U.S., I want to say. Okay. That's uh, Marais and DJ. Yeah, 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 DJ. Yeah. Oh, but did you uh, did you see the DJ interview on Ariel's show? No, I didn't. He talked about the fact of, uh, like, Ariel was asking a question, like, he's like, man, when did you just, like, stop caring? And he was like, he goes, honestly, it's when I was doing Twitch. And he tells this story about he's doing a Twitch stream, and someone asked him, like, hey, what do you think about the next season of the Ultimate Fighter? He goes, what are you talking about, man? He goes, oh, man, they're doing flyweights, and they're going to fight to fight you. And he basically just trashes on. He goes, Dana calls me. And uh, basically, he's like, he's like, you didn't know the plan? He goes, no, man, no one told me. He goes, <laughs> I found out on Twitch. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's crazy. But, hey, man, that's the level of communication there. Yeah. No, there's a lot. Of, yeah. The next Bellator event is not till September the 23rd. Wow. Yeah, that was big- supposed to be headlined by uh, James Gallagher, um, but my, um, or at least he was on the car, but I want to say Severe May reported that he's out of his fight against uh, Brett Johns. It's going to be headlined by, I believe, Benson Henderson and Peter Queeley. Okay. That's not exciting. But By, uh, by yeah. the way, I did talk about this on, on Sunday's podcast because I was kind of breaking down my Bellator rankings. We are now down to eight fighters at women's 145 pounds in Bellator. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were at 10 yeah. like a month ago. Now we're down to eight. Yeah. Do we get, can we get seven? Can we get six? It just makes, it really makes me think that Bellator is slowly but surely getting out of the women's 145 pound business. I did without a doubt. That's definitely the future for that division, which is no future. By the way, Dana White uh, announced that uh, they are going to be adding some fights to 279 because right now, UFC 279, we have no co-main event. Technically, if you look at the fight card lineup, Johnny Walker and Kutalabas is slated as a co-main event right now. Holy crap. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what fight they put on there because... uh, I'm guessing Patty Pimblett's not in the cards. Yeah, I think he probably would have loved to put Patty there. But, yeah, this fight, pay-per-view, I mean, it's a big main event. But, yeah, it's one of those situations where if one of these guys pulls out there, they got a whole – they got a a lot – they might just cancel the card. Dude, don't say that. Yeah, I know. But, you know, maybe they can – I don't know who they could throw on there. Maybe – God, I don't know. Uh, Maybe Curtis Blades. I mean, he's – He's pretty. Bro, I, I love Curtis Price, but he, he, you can't put him in. You know, unless he's fighting for a title, you can't put him in the main event. Yeah, you're right. No, you're co-main, co-main event. Co-main event. Oh, okay. no, no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Oh, 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 co-main event. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, I'm just thinking of guys who might be free, like guys like him and Yair Rodriguez, who didn't fight for that long. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yair would, would make a lot of sense. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe they can just. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, you're somebody like that. I mean, somebody, look, I, I think if 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 you're any fighter in the UFC and you're looking to raise your stock, you know, in terms of people know who you are, like, why would you not jump on that opportunity? Yeah, man. Uh, Josh Emmett versus yeah, you put it, put make that fight. Oh, sign me up, man. That's yeah. uh, that'd be a great fight to see. Yeah, so sign we me shall up. see. And we shall see. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Yes, sir. I am not here for four of the next five weekends. Oh, my God. Dude, my man is 
is on the road in the NFL. It's it's, uh, it's in full swing. Yeah. Uh, Nashville this week, Indianapolis the following week. Then I'm home on Labor Day weekend. Yeah. And then it's Dallas yeah. and then New Orleans for my birthday. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. You're going to have a great time, but you're going to be so tired. Yeah. Oh, I'll be getting some f- good food in New Orleans. Without a doubt. Oh, That's yeah. Good. Oh, you know it. You know, I'll give me some good food in New Orleans. So, yeah. 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 Yes, it's, it's one of those things of when, you, when you've done the New Orleans thing plenty of times, you just know there comes a point in the night where you just say, all right, fellas, it's it's time to go home. It, it's time. It's time. <laughs> you, you're, you're a veteran of the scene, huh? And that 7 a.m. bus ride comes real early. Real yeah. early. Yeah, I would imagine it's one of the, the roughest <laughs> wake-ups, but, you know. You, I, I usually set about three alarms. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be the guy who overslept. No, you do not want to be that guy, but uh, yeah. we appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, listen to this episode of the podcast. Uh, look forward to seeing UFC 278 on Saturday night. Of course, uh, as always, great way to show your support for podcast. Rate, review, does help us out a ton. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Ameriport Podcast, which, of course, you can always hear on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com. <laughs>